a song like that, it's your breath in my lungs. Let me know the Lord is responsible for keeping oxygen in the air. There's not a government program, in case you hadn't noticed, that's keeping oxygen in the air for us. Come on, God is the one that gives it, but God is the one that causes our heart to beat and our body to function. How many know every good thing in life is from his good hand? Huh? Come on, give him a big hand today. He is all worthy of our praise. Hey, I'm thrilled you're here this morning. First Sunday of the new year, it tells me this. It tells me that your spiritual life is important to you. That wherever you are, you want to find yourself this year in the will of God. You want to find yourself doing that which God's called you to do. And we've got something real special this morning. Rather than me doing the entire sermon, I'm going to start a new series next week called All In. But this morning, I'm going to give you a chance to hear from our entire pastoral team. And uh, I've asked them to share kind of a visionary challenge, something they believe the Lord is saying for the new year. For those of you new in the church, I want you to see the men and women that lead us. You'll notice we have three of our, uh, our couples, men and women, on our pastoral staff. These ladies are not here just to look cute. They, listen, they minister to people and they're anointed of God. But uh, we're going to start with Pastor Travis and Whitney. They ministered our junior high, high school, and college. Give them a big hand as they, as they come. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? <laughs> We are so excited to be here. My name is Whitney, and this is my husband, Travis. And we've been ministering here for about eight years. It's been such a wonderful journey. And we are so excited about what God has for the new year. Amen? Amen. And hopefully you're excited about 2015, because 2014 is over. Amen? So might as well be excited. Um, you know, I know every person in here wants to do something great for God this year. You want to make a difference. You want to have fruit in your life. And uh, that's what we want. And just as we were praying, Whitney and I, about our family and our new year and the church family, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, jumped out in our spirit. And I'm going to read that. It's a quick story. It, says, it should be on the screen. It says, Elijah left Mount Horab. He saw Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Elisha was plowing in a field. He was driving the last of 12 pair of oxen. Elijah went up to him. He threw his coat around him. Then Elisha left his oxen. He ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said. Then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He got his two oxen and killed them. He burned the plow to cook the meat. He gave it to the people, and they ate it. Then he started to follow Elijah, and he became Elijah's assistant. Listen, for us to do and be everything that God has called us to be in 2015, there's some things we need to leave behind, and there's a few plows that we need to burn. Amen? I, I love this story. You have Elijah He's this man of God. If you remember, he called down fire from heaven. And he goes to this farm, and he finds this younger man named Elisha. And Elisha's working. He's on a plow. He's behind 12 team of oxen. And he's doing what he does. And basically, Elijah calls him says, come and follow me. It's the same call that Jesus gives us every day, to come and follow him, to be a disciple. Well, Elisha does something interesting. Uh, he goes back home. Maybe he kisses his mom goodbye. Maybe he gets an extra change of clothes. But he burns his plow and he cooks the oxen. And I find that's very interesting, right? Maybe you changed jobs in 2014. Hopefully you didn't burn down the place, okay? Elisha burned his very occupation, the things that he used to provide for his family. Um, and the question is why? Why would he do that? And I think the answer is simple. It's a symbol that Elisha was going all in, okay? 
Elijah called him and he said, you know what, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to be all about this. There is no backup plan. There is no plan B. I'm not going to follow you for a few weeks and then stop and go back home. Elisha was saying, you know what, I know this journey is going to be amazing. I know I'm going to have a new life. It's going to be exciting, but there's going to be times when it gets hard. There's going to be times that I'm going to want to go back home. I'm going to get frustrated. But you can't go back, back and work a plow if the plow's burnt, right? And so Elisha's basically saying, I'm all in for this. And um, I think that's what God's calling us to do. I feel like a lot of times as Christians, God calls us to do something, to go forward, to do a ministry. And a lot of times something holds us back. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's a mindset. And we can never fully do what God wants us to do because we're always looking back or going back. I can remember several years ago, and Whitney will remember this, I was on this health kick. Anybody been on a health kick? I mean, it's January 4th, probably all of us, right? We're on a health kick, and uh, I'm eating clean and all this and during the day, but the problem is at night, I wasn't doing so good. We got this pantry, and it had like cookies or chips, and at night at like 11 or 12 o'clock, anybody in here? I get this urge, and I would go, and I would just eat some chips or cookies and then feel really bad about it. And then after like four or five days of doing this, I said, I'm done with it. And I got this trash sack and I threw all of the junk food in this trash bag and I threw it away. Has, has anybody been there? Whitney's like, what are you doing? You know, just don't buy it to begin with. And uh, anyway, I threw it away because I didn't want the temptation of going back. I mean, I could have the temptation, but if it's not there, you can't eat it, right? See, I think Elisha has something to teach all of us. This is the year we have to burn some things in our life, and there's three things I want us to point out. And here's number one. The first thing that we have to burn this year is our past. Look, all of us, we have a past. We have good things that have happened, but unfortunately, we've had bad things that have happened. Uh, maybe we've done bad things. Maybe bad things have happened to us. And a lot of times, we can't go forward because we're constantly drawn backwards. We're looking back. We're thinking back. We want to go back and do that sin. This is a year not to allow our mind to pull us back, but to take those thoughts captive. Not to allow the enemy to beat us up. You can't do this. You can't do that. Uh, the Bible says in Philippians 4 and 8, brothers, single things that are honorable, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely. A lot of us in here, we're allowing our past to pull us back. This is a year to say 2014 stays in 2014. Uh, the second thing that we need to burn this year is our doubt. Look, the enemy wants nothing more than for your life to be a lot of doubt. Doubt that God exists, doubt that God loves me, doubt that God has a plan for my life, doubt that my marriage is going to make it, doubt that my kids are going to come back to God, doubt that I can do this ministry God put in my heart to do. Listen, this is a year to replace doubt with faith. God is the God of faith. This is a year to say, if God put it in my heart to do it, His promises are yes and amen. I can do this. I don't have to be held back by doubt. Listen, some of you in here, you need to leave doubt in 2014. God is God. And here's the final thing. The third thing we need to get rid of in 2015 is our idle time. And I, this is big for me. A lot of us in here, we waste a lot of time. We have 24 hours in a day. We need to make sure that this is a year that we use our time wisely, that we use it to bless the kingdom of God, that this is a year that we use our time to bless God. We spend time with family and friends and ministry and serving. This isn't a year to let our life revolve around our favorite TV show. This isn't a year to let our life revolve around our favorite hobby. Those things are fine, but we need to prioritize. Amen? For 2015 to be a great year, we need to be all in. And look, we're excited about it. We're excited about what God has for us. Listen to me. Every one of you in here, you're a Christian. You're a follower of Christ. You don't have to go back to the old. It's a new year. Let's go forward. Amen?
God bless you as Zach's coming forward. Amen, amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. I'm excited to be here. My name is Zach. Uh, I actually get the opportunity to work with the youth in the 20s here. Uh, also, you'll see me a little bit uh, doing worship and whatnot, but I mostly do uh, media and technology. So uh, I get to touch kind of a lot of different areas here at Church on the Rock. But uh, Pastor John, you know, he kind of mentioned uh, about us coming up and sharing a few things that were on our heart for the, uh, the new year. And, uh, man, I'm really excited to get to share with you guys. But I want to share uh, something that the Lord's been laying on my heart, you know, personally, you know, for me and things that I feel like he's saying to me. But I feel like it'll transcend kind of into our congregation as well. But uh, I want to share a really familiar story. It's found in John chapter 4. It's about the Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, I'm uh, going to jump in in uh, verse 9 in just a moment. But before, um, you know, Jesus, he's hanging out at the well. He's by himself. The disciples have already gone back into town to get some food. And while Jesus is hanging out there, a woman, a Samaritan woman, comes out to the well. And as she does, this is where we pick up in the story. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him, um, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And at this time, Jesus is hanging out. He asked this woman, this Samaritan woman, for a drink. And she says, you know, you're a Jewish man. Uh, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why would you ever ask me for a drink? Which, you know, Jewish people and Samaritans, they never talk to each other. And uh, men, honestly, uh, at this time, didn't speak to women in public. Uh, so th this was kind of two uh, negatives right here. Jesus shouldn't have been talking to this lady. But Jesus liked to break the rules, which was really awesome. So uh, anyway, so Jesus is hanging out there. The Samaritan woman says, you know, why would you ask me for water? She didn't even feel qualified to speak to Jesus. And yet, uh, Jesus continues to have a conversation with her. And as he does, you know, you know the story. He says, well, we'll go and get your husband and bring him. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, you know what, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the guy that you're living with right now is not even your husband. So he calls her out on kind of this mess that she's made in her life. And yet, he, he punks her out. And yet, she wants to follow him. You know, Jesus is really the only person that can do that, where he can call you out on all of your mess. And for some reason, something inside of you is drawn to follow that man. So this woman, she's, she's at the well. She has an experience with Jesus. She has an encounter with Jesus. And this encounter drives her to go back into the very same community that people knew her as an adulterer, you know, as a fornicator. There's no telling what names people have called this woman. And yet she goes back to that same community and she tells everybody. It says in, uh, in chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 28, it says, So the woman left her water jar, went away into the town, and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town, uh, and they were coming to him. So she went back into the town. She, she got all of her friends, this entire community, and she says, You know what? I had an encounter with this man. I had an encounter with this man at the well, and you need to meet him. He called me out on everything that I've ever done. He, he punked me out, but you know what? I want to follow him. You need to meet this man. And there's a couple things that I want to point out in this story. One, this woman, uh, you know, um, this is kind of a, a really cool picture of evangelism. This woman had an encounter with Jesus. She went to her community and then brought them to Jesus. And, uh, you know, a lot of people call this evangelism. I call it, man, being a Christian. Because we're, we're called, each and every person in here is called to know your story. You know, this woman was not uh, biblically literate. You know, she probably had never prayed before in her life. But you know what? She was qualified in one moment, in one encounter with Jesus. Jesus did something in her life. And you know what? All she needed was her story. 
And I feel like there's a lot of people in here today that maybe you feel unqualified to really do anything big for the kingdom of God. But if you go and study this story out, man, this entire community was saved and changed because one woman was willing to go back and and tell her story. So one, she felt unqualified. But two, I want to stress the importance of encountering Jesus every day. Whenever we encounter God, whenever we make this time to, to draw close to God, every day that fuels us to go into man our, our churches it, it fuels us to go into our workplaces it fuels us to go into our family and lead the way that we're called to lead and uh you know if you feel unqualified that qualifies you because if you go throughout the bible god loves to use people that are uh, you know little boys to to slay grown men who were who giants. He loves to use people with speech impediments to lead nations. So if you feel unqualified or you feel like, man, I've got this in my life and this that's holding me back, I want to encourage you today that God can use whatever gifts you have, and he loves to qualify the unqualified. Amen? So uh, I want to encourage you this year. This year is the year to get outside the four walls of the church. This year is the year to be the men and women of God that he's called us to be. And uh, it doesn't take anything other than you sharing your story and being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Well, I love you guys. I, I, I appreciated the opportunity to, uh, to share with you. And uh, y'all make some noise for Pastor Mike and Miss Sharon as they come up. Well, as we're coming forward, Mike Ulmer and Sharon Ulmer, we're over outreach, small groups, classes. If you want to get connected, just come find us. We'll tell you how to do that. I want to talk to you about be all you can be in 2015. And be, the letter B, all you can be, the letter B, because I got about five, six words that start with the letter B. Buy in, birth, behave, build, broaden, believe, burn, bury. I'll talk about a few of those. So basically this next five minutes is sponsored by the letter B. First birth. God wants to birth some things in our church and in our lives personally. Proverbs 3:16. Length of days is in your right hand, in your left hand are riches and honor. Which do you want? Length of days or do you want riches and honor? Which side do I stand on? The left or the right side? Well, if you go face to face, then you can have them both. Amen. That talks about intimacy. And if you want God to burst something in you, to communicate with you, get face-to-face with him. I mean, have an intimate time with God. And then you'll conceive this thing God wants to birth in you. And once you conceive it, you have to carry it. And everybody knows uh, if you're carrying something, a new baby inside, you need to have a good environment for it to be in, you know, good food and all that. Well, in the spirit, that takes praise, worship, the word, church and community and involvement, those kind of things. And you need to stay away from toxic stuff. Like division, gossip, offenses, fear, doubt, and stay away from those things. Then you come to the time of delivery, where you got to bring it forth. That's when you have to push. It's the old acronym, pray until something happens. But it takes energy to bring this thing forth. And I believe there's God wants to burst some outreaches in our church. And you've already heard about the church in the box, where we take out a, a screen and some speakers and, and stream it our um, service out in the laundromats and the gyms or wherever we can go in. And anybody could do that. And you just... Uh, Play the message, and at the end, you just do an altar call. I believe there's some things we're going to do in the parking lots, uh, uh, block parties. But there's going to be some events or some things, strategies we have inside this church where it gives you an opportunity to invite people. But I want you to think, every week, we need to think of, in, of terms of how to create an atmosphere for people to experience the presence of God. And just as much as Nick and his team, we all have something to do with that. We need to be friendly. We need to greet people. And that's the one comment I hear in our Connect class. It's a very friendly church, and I commend you for that. But let's go to the next level. Make room for people. 
I mean, we're tight in here. We had an extra 100 chairs. Maybe just even slide in if you see somebody. Hey, come sit by me. Just do anything to make people feel welcome. And then B is, the other B word is behave. If you want to go up to the next level, we got to clean up our act. Proverbs 24, 3. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And I believe there's a grace available to live a righteous life, to be right. And it's in Hebrews 12, 15. It says we can miss it. See that no one misses the grace of God. So it's something we can miss. But there's grace, a supernatural ability to be able to walk in paths of righteousness. God will give you grace for the race. And then another one is buy-in. Buy-in to family. Put some skin in the game. Sharon? Okay, in Psalm 68, 6, it says, God sets the solitary in families. And we are a family here at Church on the Rock. There are so many people that come and you're on the outskirts. And I'm telling you, this is the year to join the family. We need each other now more than ever. I'm, yes, to laugh, to cry with, to mourn with, to celebrate with. When you have people walking alongside you to cheer you on or to even help you when you're down, there is nothing better than that. It's time to get in a small group, or better yet, start a small group. Just gather some people together and just help each other and grow together. And if you have not been through our Connect class or our Journey classes, they start this Wednesday. Go through that. You'll learn so much. You'll meet so many people there. It's time to get off the bench. It's time to get in the game and join the family. And if you have any questions at all, you can see Mike or I, and we'll point you in the right direction. But join the family. And then we need to build and broaden. We need to stretch out our tent stakes, take more ground for the kingdom of God. We need to broaden our reach in our city. And I think the most effective way in this hour is that we serve our community. There was one church that put in like 60,000 volunteer hours just to bless their community. So think of creative ways to do that. We need to broaden our reach in our nation by being more involved with uh, more of a voice in our political situations, economic arenas. But we need to speak the right words. In Colossians 4, 5, let our speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, so we'll know how to respond to each person or know how to answer each one. See, some words cause more division and some actions cause more damage than, uh, than good. In other words, we need to give God's word and God's voice, not our opinions and our voice. And we need to broaden our reach to the nations, going on more mission trips, uh, sending more money to missions, more money to missionaries, and the other one is broaden and expand this facility. And I think that's a real crucial time right now. If we're going to make room for the harvest more than ever, that little box over there, imagine more that we begin to sacrifice. And this year, we break ground and begin to get this place ready for more people. And last, you got to believe. First, we have to dream big because we have a big God. We need to have some bad dreams. B-A-D, big, audacious dreams. There was a young lady that comes to our church uh, when she's not at campus, but her a pastor challenged her, believe some big things. So they said, well, let's do this outreach event in our college. It's going to take 80000 but let's do it big. We'll just dream that. They talked to their first supporter to pray for him, and he funded the whole thing in just one word like that, and it was funded. So let's dream big, and uh, God is able, right? Starve your fears, feed your, uh, star, starve your doubts and fears, and feed your faith, because we're Americans, right? Not Americans. God can do all things. Amen. Well, hi, I'm Nick. Maybe you've seen me before. I lead worship on the weekends. I'm the worship pastor here. I enjoy getting to see your smiling faces every weekend, except when I'm not here. Um, 
We're going to read from Acts chapter 3 and verse 6 in just a moment. Uh, but the story goes uh, something along these lines that Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They're on their way to church, and they encounter a man that has an issue. He's, he's, he's lame, and, and he's asking for something. He's asking for something. And in Acts chapter 3 and verse 6, can you go ahead and throw that up there? It says this. It says, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what I wanted to focus on was that last little statement in there. Leave that up just a second, please. It says, but what I do have, I give to you. And, and that's the kind of the theme of what I wanted to talk about for a minute is I'll give what I have. They didn't have exactly what the man asked for, but he had what he needed. And in this year, can this be the year that we make a conscious decision that we'll give what we have? That we'll do a little bit more than we did last year. Amen. And I'm going to read on, and I think that there's a few reasons that we don't give what we have, and I'm going to tell you what those are. Complacency, fear, and that we feel like what we have is really not enough. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, we're told a story, a parable of the talents. There's three individuals that have talents, and there's five, two, and there's one. And I want to focus for a minute on those five and two, because when we read about the five and two, we think, well, you know, they got it right. They had what they needed, you know, and, and, and when the master came back, if, you, if you're familiar with the story, left, he came back, and they'd put their money out there, and they'd, they'd gained from five to ten and four to two, and, you think, and, and the Lord blessed them. But you think, well, that's good, and that's great, and that's wonderful. But the problem is, is that maybe they went from five to ten and five to ten, and maybe you're in this place this morning. You're saying, well, you know what? I'm in this church, as everybody else has already been talking about, and I'm giving, and I'm serving. But what happens when you went from 5 to 10 and 2 to 4 for so long, and now you're at 4 and 10, and God's asking you to go from 10 to 20 and 4 to 8? You, you don't just get to stop because you did good one time. We haven't arrived, and we get to stop. Amen? We have to keep progressing. We can't become complacent. We have to give all we have at all times. And the second thing was fear. We become fearful. The third man in that story, the parable of talent, he only had one talent. And what did he do with it? If you're familiar with the story, he went and buried it in the sand or the, or the dirt. And, and I, don't, I wonder why maybe he buried it in the sand. And, and I know the Bible kind of explains, but was he fearful that he couldn't get it right or he couldn't do this or he couldn't do that? You know, and sometimes in our life we become fearful that maybe we can't do this or we can't do that. You know, but the thing is, is if he had just put it out there and used what he had, God could have used it. Amen. But when the master came back, he didn't have anything to offer. And, you know, I've been that place in my life. I remember, I remember telling this story to several people talking about this very parable that I felt like that guy with one talent, feeling like sometimes I really didn't have a whole lot to give. You know, I wanted to give something, but I just felt kind of insignificant. And I wanted to give something, but I'd made a decision a few years back or a year and a half or so back that whatever it was that I have, I don't care if it's this small, I'm going to give it. I don't matter if it's this small, this small, this small, because what you have doesn't affect what I do, Right? You may have the, the two and the five, and I've only got the one, but I've got to do what God's called me to do with the one. And the third thing that I wanted to talk to you about was that we don't feel like it's enough. In 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 12, we read the story of the woman with a, a little bit of food, and, and, the, and it's a really rough time in the land. And Elijah has come, and he's asked for food, and she doesn't hardly have anything. And the Scripture says this, uh, her response to him, she says, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. How many ever felt like what you had was real little? Amen? You feel like it's just not enough. 
But how many know when God gets in something, it doesn't matter how little it is, it can become so much bigger. Because the little things, when we add the little things together, they become big. Amen? So this year, I want us just to make a conscious, conscious effort, a conscious decision that will give what we have, and we'll be all in for Jesus. Amen? Well, good morning. I'm Linnell Miller. I am Pastor John's wife. And what do I do in this church? I always say I do whatever he doesn't want to do and um, try to fill in those gaps. Now, I help oversee our kids' zone ministry, a baby zone. I do missions work and help oversee our teams that go out. And um, I do women's ministry. I do just a little bit of everything. And um, I felt like God gave me a word back in the middle of December for 2015. And it was that this is a year of harvest and a year of more than enough workers. And the two scriptures that God gave me, the first one was in Matthew 9, verse 36. And it talks about the one thing that breaks God's heart. Listen to this. When he saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them. His heart broke because they were hurting and helpless, confused and aimless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus said to his followers, there are many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them. Pray to the Lord who owns a harvest that he will send more workers to gather his harvest. So Jesus is looking out at the broken, hurting, needy people, and it says his heart broke because there wasn't people to reach them. There wasn't enough people to go out and to help them, to teach them, to, to bring them to God, to bring them to his Father, and his heart was breaking. And I, this is what the word of the Lord is to Church on the Rock in 2015. There is a great harvest coming to Texarkana, to our area, but... We need more workers. And this is my challenge to you today. For whatever reason, you may just be sitting on the pew. Maybe it was sickness. Maybe it was disappointment. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was some mistakes you made. Maybe it was some, some hurt, some busyness, just distraction. Maybe you had a new baby. Whatever reason, God is saying in 2015, it's time to get off the pew and to get back to work because there's a great harvest coming. Look with me in Luke 13. And this is a story about a fig tree that Jesus told. It was a parable. And it was about a fig tree that was unproductive. Listen to this. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his garden, I've waited three years. There's not been one single fig. Cut it down. It's just taken up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it one more year and I'll give it special attention. Plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. I don't want Jesus to say of my life, you're just taking up space and cut me down. It's a statistic in churches in America that two to three out of 10 people serve, do ministry, and the rest are just taking up space. Now, you may be new in this church, you may be new in your faith, but can I tell you, there is something that you are called to do. Um, Pastor Nick gave the story of the talents. Every one of us have been given gifts, skills, 
that we've been given something. We've been created to do something on this earth. And I don't want to be product, unproductive one more year. I want my life to produce. I want my life to have fruit. Jesus said in Matthew 25, to those who use, you, use well what they've been given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have, it'll be taken away. And my challenge for you in 2015 is, as Sharon said, get off the pew and get in the game. Use your talents. There's always people that need them. We are having a harvest in our nurseries this year. I don't know if you've been noticing all the pregnant mamas walking around, but we are having a harvest, and those babies need someone to go in and to care for them. In Kids Zone, our ministry is growing. Our ushers need more help. Our greeters, um, the church under the bridge. With, with Ray, with, the, with Artie and Karen, they need workers out there to those homeless people. We need help on Friday nights with Celebrate Recovery. There is lots of areas and places that you can go bring in the harvest. And so I want to challenge you this year. Don't let Jesus say, cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. But let him say, good and faithful servant. Let him say, you've taken what I've given you and you've multiplied it. And then he gives you more so you can go and multiply it again. So that's my challenge for you. In 2015, a year of harvest, God has said, but also a year of more than enough workers. God bless you as Pastor John comes. This gal believes that. A couple of days ago, you know, since she had her bout with cancer, I have watched her that she endeavors to live every day for Jesus because nobody's promised tomorrow. Just this last, I guess it was Monday, day off, somebody calls her and said uh, someone just started coming to church, their house burned down. And before I know it, this gal's not only on the phone, but she's going out with Kmart getting shoes for kids and taking care of them because you know what? We got one life to live for Jesus. And the wonderful thing is, this season in January is a time of new beginnings. That little phrase is not just an accident, but for all of us. I've been pastoring over 30 years, and something I know is well, you've got about two, three, maybe four weeks here at the first of the year to form new routines and new patterns in your life that'll set the tone for the rest of the year. You know, lots of things people talk about. Uh, new Year's Eve, somebody, I was overhearing a conversation. They said, hey, I'm looking for a gym partner. I want to start going to the gym. And somebody said, I'll go with you. Somebody else wants to start school again because I need a better job. One of my daughters said, I only want to eat candy once a week in the new year. Uh, I say more duck hunting in the new year. <laughs> but on a serious note, as your pastor, as I stand before you on this first Sunday in January, I am so glad you're here because I want to encourage you in your spiritual life to draw closer to God in these next few days because the choices that you're making in your spiritual life will affect you for eternity. I want to look at a passage uh, in James chapter 4. James chapter 4, you may take a peek there, but I'll tell you, friends, all of us are one step closer to the end of our life. I had the most amazing conversation with my dad who just started serving the Lord a couple years ago. My dad's 77 and we're sitting in the living room at Christmas and dad just kind of out of the blue said, I don't know what I've done, in my li what, done with my life for God. 77 years, worked hard, has been a farmer, likes to play golf, treats people good. But he said, what have I done in the 77 years of my life for God that's going to last for eternity? Let me tell you with that thought, James chapter 4 makes a promise to us. James says these words, if you draw near to God, 
God will draw near to you. The New Living Translation says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Now that's an incredible statement. And before I read any more, I want you to think about the fact that the God created us says that if you'll make deliberate steps to get closer to me, I'll be more involved in your life. If you'll make steps to get closer to me, I'll help your marriage. If you'll make steps to get closer to me, I'll give you peace instead of fear. If you make, get, make steps to get closer to me, I'll give you a life of significance. If you'll make steps to get closer to me, listen, I'll help you in your business. I'll help you as a parent. I'll help you in a broken marriage. Can I tell you, God is the one that can cause our life to be better, come on, in all respects, as we make steps to get closer to Him. And that scripture, it adds something that we often omit because the first part's so powerful. Come close to God. God will come close to you. And then he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Which tells me if I want to draw close to God in the new year, there's three things that I've got to do. Number one, there's some things I need to keep on doing that are right. Let me know, reading your Bible, praying, coming to church, serving the Lord is right. There's some things that I've got to continue to do like that, but there's some things that I've got to start doing. Whatever it may be in your spiritual growth, and then there's some things that I've got to stop doing. So as you're drawing closer to God, you're going to find that the Lord will begin to emphasize things in your spiritual life. It could be through a Bible reading. It could be through prayer. My wife and I have been both going through some, well, they've been some kind of crises in our life, some things that have, we've reached kind of the end of our rope. And she looked at me yesterday and she said, we've been praying together more in the last few days than we have in our married life. And I said, you know what, honey, you're right. Because as we have realized, if we need to get over this mountain, over this barrier, if I'm going to get close to God, there's some things that I've got to start doing. Now, we've always prayed, but we've not prayed like we've been praying the last few days. There's some things that I've got to start doing. There's some things that I've got to be consistent about doing. And there's some things that I've got to stop uh, yes, even yesterday, as I'm trying to press into God in this new year, I was confronted with a temptation, and it just wanted to pull me right back into my yesterday. And how many know I have to say no to that? Now, we're going to help you this new year, and there's a couple things that we're doing to help you draw close to God that's not just a gimmick or a program, but I promise you it will help you. And this first one is called the Proverbs Challenge. Proverbs challenge is basically this. Uh, the month of January has 31 days. The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. So each day of January, for example, today is what, uh, the 5th? The 4th. Okay, it's the 4th. Well, read Proverbs chapter 4. But as you read Proverbs chapter 4, take it a step farther and share it with a friend. Share a verse, a thought that, 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 that intrigued you. I'm in three text circles that I'm sharing, one with family and two other groups of friends that I'm sharing. You may not be into texting. You may share what you read with your spouse over coffee. Uh, you, may, you may get on the phone as you're going to work after you had your quiet time and call a friend and say, hey, let me tell you what I, what I read this morning. What did you read? Because I'm telling you this, friend, the power of the Bible to transform your life is incredible. It is the most important thing that I could tell you. If you were to ask me, Pastor, will you tell me one thing that will help me in my spiritual life, one thing that will help me get closer to God in this new year, what would it be? I'd say this, spend some time every day with God reading the Word of God. Because I'll tell you, not only will it show you the way to go, not only will it help you know the difference between right and wrong, not only will it help you make sense of a crazy culture and world, but let me tell you this, the Word of God will feed you spiritually. Because how many know you're not just a brain and you're not just a body, but you're a spirit. 
And the Bible is on spirit level. You see, it's written by God. Let me tell you how this works. Um, probably, it's been 14 months ago now, Linnell was kind of on the other end of her battle with cancer. And uh, anxiety had begun to build up in my life. And I had a panic attack after church. If you can imagine that, I am preaching in church. And after church, I had uh, kind of made the mistake because I was unaware of the effect that chronic stress was having on me. And I was drinking too much caffeine. And uh, that caffeine kind of worked on me. And after church, I just feel like I'm going to pass out. My heart is racing. And uh, before I know it, I'm in the hospital for a couple days. And what I found out after that was is uh, they put me back on some medicine. And then a couple months later, I'm taking this medicine. And I pass out driving. I mean, no, that's not good. <laughs> I pass out driving, and before you know it, fear is beginning to follow my life. And before I know it, I'm having a battle with anxiety like I have never had in my life before. Now, if you've never done this, it may be hard to relate to, and I hope you never had this challenge. But I was beginning to allow fear to dominate and control my life. Now, you may think this is odd, but this is the first time I've worn this suit and this shirt since I passed out and went to the hospital in it. Because just, just getting close to the thing that tried to rob life from you. You understand what I'm talking about? And here's what I found. My anxiety was on three levels. It was a physical component to it because I was worn out. It was an emotional component to it, but it was a spiritual component to it as well. And here's what I have found. I have found that, first of all, I found no pill solves my problems. Yeah. Now, they may help with some things. Come on, you might take a, a, a tile on your head, it may go away. But I found there's some things you may face in life that a pill won't take care of. But can I tell you what, friends? God can help you take care of that thing. And there are some things that are spiritual. Now, here's where I'm going with this. Yesterday in my reading time in my Proverbs, one of the Proverbs says, Don't fear sudden terror because your confidence is in the Lord. This morning I need some extra reading after the Proverbs. I read Psalm 37, and Psalm 37 said, The Lord is my spiritual stronghold. He is my refuge. Whom shall I fear? So when the Satan was trying to harass me and stop me with fear, I'm telling you, I have faced Sundays this past year where I didn't want to come out and preach because anxiety would grow so strong in me. That was a spiritual attack. But as I would read the Word of God, come on, it would strengthen me spiritually. And when I'm stronger spiritually, I'm able to face the things that I cannot face in my own strength. And that's why we're doing the Proverbs Challenge because I'm telling you, if you will just get into the pages of the Bible in a quiet place and let God speak to your heart, listen, it'll not only change the way you think about life, but it will do something on the inside. Come on. It'll make you a better husband, a better wife. It'll make you a better Christian and a stronger man or woman. Come on, because the Bible has spiritual power in its pages. Now, let me tell you one more thing we're doing that will help you in your spiritual life. We're doing something over the next couple of weeks called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Now, let me say this to you. I'm not asking anyone to go without food for 21 days, okay? But here's what I am saying to you. The Bible shows us very clearly in the pages of Scripture that if you will link together fasting, which is some form of abstinence, some form of saying no, whether it's self-discipline, whether it's food or whatever the case may be, and you will take some extra time to pray, you will find yourself getting closer to God. Here's the thing that I am asking you to do. I'm asking you to do is something as simple this week 
as, as picking a day this week and skipping lunch, fasting through your lunch, but get your Bible and find a quiet place, place to read and pray and be with God. I'm asking you this week, rather than, rather than go to sleep with Jimmy Fallon at night, I'm asking you to turn him off 15 minutes early, and I'm asking you to open your Bible and take some time to pray and draw close to God. I'm asking you to turn the radio off in the car that you may listen to, whatever station's your favorite, and on your way to work a couple days this week, that you would begin to pray and talk to God. See, again, there's some things we need to start doing. There's some things we need to increase. And if you will just allow yourself to enter into this mode of prayer and fasting, I want to tell you, it will make a difference in your life. I applied this just yesterday, not even really deliberately thinking about it, because i got to be honest, usually when I think about fasting, I want to quit because I, I would rather uh, uh, eat and pray rather than fast and pray. You, you understand what I'm talking about? But let me tell you what I did yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, I just decided I would just have a relaxing morning and, and, and didn't get up, uh, didn't go hunting or anything. But I slept in, had a great night's sleep. And oftentimes what I'll do is I'll just watch a program I've recorded on television. And I just felt this little nudge from the Lord why don't you spend a little extra time with me? And what I did is I got up and I turned on my praise music and I just sat in my chair and I just began to pray and draw close to God. And I want to tell you what, something happened in my spiritual life because I just did that simple thing of turning off the tube, of giving God an opportunity to come and help me. And I want to tell you, I'm becoming a different person because the presence and the power of God is real, my friends. And if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. Come on, give Him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. And my prayer for you in this new year is that you will just make steps to God I'm not asking you to get involved in the church. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just saying, make some steps to your heavenly Father. Make some steps so Jesus can become more real to you in this new year. And I promise you'll be a better person because of it. We're going to close this morning with prayer. I'm going to ask our pastoral team to come back on the stage and any of our elders that are here. And we'd just like to pray a blessing over you. And Pastor Nick is going to lead us in a worship song. And I want to ask you to just stand with me as we worship together, as we kind of commission ourselves for this new year. And let's just ask the Lord to help us, not just out of obligation or discipline or even need, but because we love God, we want to draw close to Him. We bless you today, Lord. And Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and feel the 